Welcome to the Fulfillment Stories Podcast. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. You will get the honest inside story of why they do what they do, how they got there, and how it makes them come alive. Ready to be inspired? Joe Sanok is the author of Thursday is the New Friday, which examines the history and implementation of the four-day work week. He's a writer for the Harvard Business Review and has been featured on Forbes, Money, Entrepreneur, and over 200 podcasts. His Practice of the Practice podcast is a top 100 business podcast and helps therapists and coaches to start, grow, and scale their private practices because he believes the world needs more mental health access. He loves the creative, engaging, and ever-changing nature of what he gets to do. Here's Joe's story from the May 2022 event in Traverse City, Michigan. I went to a Friday night lights Catholic school that worshiped football. Um, in first grade, I dressed up for Halloween as a ghostbuster, and one of my friends dressed up as the football coach from high school, full with the hat, the, the little microphone, a clipboard, and the token M&Ms that this football coach always had in his pocket. Everybody loved the football coach costume more than a Ghostbuster. So when I was in eighth grade, there was this kid who was like a linebacker or running back or something like that. And uh, he decided that he was going to start stealing office supplies from the teachers. And he'd steal staplers, he'd steal three-hole punches, highlighters. Uh, it was like a full office depot in his locker. And the whole 49-person class knew that he was doing this for no apparent reason other than to just steal office supplies. And this one day I was in math class, and I'm leaving, and I have my math book and probably a trapper keeper. And I walk into the hall, and every, the whole 49-person class is changing classes. And someone had told this kid that I had narked him out and that I had told the teachers that he was stealing all of these office supplies. And he hits the books out of my hand. He throws me against a locker, punches me, and throws me down in front of the entire class. I don't even fight back. I, I was shocked by it. And for years, I was like, why didn't I at least like push back or show some sense of like footballness? And I didn't. So by ninth grade, I realized, contrary to probably what you believe, I don't have a football player body type. So I was really into Nirvana. And so I started growing my hair out, um, which was against the dress code, which said no excessively long hair. And being a natural debater, I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the principal about that word excessively uh, because it, didn't, it wasn't defined. And my argument was that if this gigantic picture of Jesus in the gym was looking down on us and his hair was longer than mine, how could I be like Jesus if I didn't try to look like him? And I won. So I got to have long hair. 
And so I would wear a flannel shirt to school because all good, you know, alternative kids did this. But I had to tuck it in because there's a dress code. But there wasn't a rule about putting another flannel shirt around your waist and tying it. So I would wear two flannel shirts to school. And I had a chain wallet because on MTV, all the cool kids had chain wallets. But the kids at school didn't watch MTV. They were in their own football bubble. And so they called me Janitor Joe because their only frame of reference around a chain wallet in the 90s was janitors. So I continue to be like moving to kind of more punk rock look. I start snowboarding and go to music you know, festivals. And in college, I start dyeing my hair different colors. And I have this Subaru, which is super punk rock. Um, and I paint the outside all psychedelic. And I apply to work at this runaway shelter. And I don't hear from them. I don't hear from them. And I'm like, there's this new hairstyle I really want to do. And I don't care if I get this interview or not. So I shave my head to be like an inch long. And I, I dye my hair blonde. And I take Q-tips with black. And I make leopard print throughout my hair. <laughs> you see where this is going. So then I wanted to be accurate to the leopards of the world. And so I then took brown and filled in the middle because that's how most leopard print is. This was very expensive for me as a 20-year-old. So I have this amazing leopard print hair. And the next day, I get a phone call for an interview. So I put on my suit and tie. You know, Eagle Scout Honors College Joe with leopard print hair is prepared with his portfolio. And I go into this interview, and I feel like I, on a very small level, understand the female experience, where it's like my eyes are up here, not down here, except it was my eyes are down here, not on my leopard print hair. Because the interviewers the entire time were looking at my leopard print hair. But they gave me the job. They said, we think you might be able to connect with some of our more unique people that come here. <laughs> awesome. And so I start working at this runaway shelter for kids. They can stay there instead of running away for two to six weeks. Um, and I get to know these kids. And I get to know their families of origin and their stories. And I realized these are the kids that would steal staplers for fun. And these would be the kids that would beat up Joe just because someone told them that I had narked them out. I'm working with the very kids that would have beat me up in eighth grade. And I start to have an empathy for this kid that beat me up in eighth grade, where I realized his mom was the youngest mom by a landslide. His uncle was a teacher and the principal and was always kind of stepping in. There were different boyfriends coming in and out. And the anger he had towards me had nothing to do with me. And I realized that I hadn't fit in there. And I'm working with these kids that don't fit in. And that angry kids really are an exciting group to work with. So I moved back to Traverse City. I work as a foster care supervisor, get a job at the community college, and start this side gig counseling practice, mental wellness counseling. And, you know, the tagline was we help angry kids, frustrated parents, and distant couples. It's like everybody. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, this is, this is going well, and 
Um, at the time, I realized I knew nothing about business. And so I started a podcast uh, just so I could interview famous people about business principles. Uh, and so I started Practice of the Practice, this podcast and this website to just learn the basics of business that I didn't learn in grad school. So I have these two small side gigs going on, still working at the college. And then 2012 hits. And my mom had just had cancer. She kicked its ass. Um, she's still with us. She's right there. Uh, my oldest was born, and in her first year, we knew she had a major heart issue. And she had um, this medication that kept the fluid off her heart. And she was waking up every hour and a half or so for a diaper change, and she was thirsty but wouldn't drink much. And we had to make these breast milk milkshakes with breast milk and then formula to have more calories just to get her up to weight. And right before her first birthday, uh, she has full open heart surgery down at U of M. And for a week, we're in the Ronald McDonald house down there um, dealing with just like a kid in the hospital. Things go well. She's about to turn 11. She has no restrictions. But they finally said a few weeks later, you know, you can take her off of the medication. Like it was a success. It's great. Okay, no more medical. And two weeks later, I get diagnosed with thyroid cancer. It's like we're back in the medical world. I have to fly to Texas um, to get my thyroid out and get radioactive iodine and all of this. And it's a highly treatable cancer, but it was one of those years. My grandma died that year. My best friend's wife had breast cancer. We had a miscarriage. It was just like, how much more can a family take? And I remember during that time, as I have this side gig counseling practice and this podcast and then this full-time job, that I ran over to do a counseling session on my lunch break. And at this point, I had hired some extra clinicians. Again, side gig thing I'm putting five to 10 hours a week into. But I now have a four office suite with a corner view of the bay. I run over during my lunch hour to do a counseling session. And I go back to the college and I'm walking down the steps to my basement office that has no window in it. And it was just striking the difference. And I, in that moment, realized that I could either jump and leave this secure job with a pension that I loved, my boss was amazing, I had autonomy, but I could jump and potentially fail, or I could stay and never know if I had it in me. And so I decided to leave. I decided to leave when my second child was born and use the full Family Medical Leave Act uh, to do counseling, to do the podcasting, to see what was, was potentially working. And that first summer, I made a decision that changed everything. I decided to take Fridays off as an experiment. For this summer, I'm just going to take Fridays off. I'm going to see how the numbers look in the fall, and we'll just assess them. So all summer, I work four days a week. And that fall, I look at it and I say, we made more money. The staff are happier. I feel better. I was available for the family. So I kept working four days a week. Now in 2019, I ended up selling mental wellness counseling. And in 2020, uh, I pitched this idea of a book about the four-day work week of looking at the, the history and examining time itself and the neurofeedback and neuropsychology around whether a four-day work week is actually better for society. And HarperCollins picks up the book. And I start writing Thursday is the new Friday, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And throughout that time, we were planning to really take this kind of experimental mindset to a different level and decide to buy a camper instead of putting our kids in Zoom school. 
And so we buy this 37-foot pull-behind camper. Now, mind you, I have never pulled a trailer in my entire life. No sea-doos, no fishing boats, like nothing. And there's very few times in life as an adult that your decisions have the potential to kill a bunch of people if you do it wrong, which is both exciting and terrifying. So that first day as we leave for an indefinite period of time to be on the road, we're driving up through the UP, go through the Badlands, go to the Tetons and Yellowstone and spend a month with our friends in Fort Collins. Then we go down through New Mexico and go to Carlsbad Caverns and White Sands and cut through Tucson and hit the Grand Canyon and hit Meteor Crater. And my 10-year-old loves space. So for her to see a mile-wide crater where NASA trains just blew her mind. I mean, that was education. And then we went to Petrified Forest where my, my seven-year-old, she's like a little monk, a guru that could just look at rocks for days. And I'm, I'm the one that gets antsy. And then we go to California, to Joshua Tree, Yosemite, all over the place and spend the winter in San Diego. And that's where things break. My daughter's mom decided that she wanted to stay. She wasn't sure if the relationship was for her, if being with the family was for her. So we set her up with an apartment, get her a new car so she's safe. And I load up the girls. And the three of us hit the road. And that first day, we drive from San Diego to just north of Phoenix to the most amazing campsite of our entire trip. There's mountains around us. There's all these cacti. And we have this enormous campsite, and it's quiet, which was not the case at many of the other campsites. But in the past, their mom had been the one that was on the walkie-talkie telling me how to back up this trailer. And so Lucia and Lakin, my kids, are on the walkie-talkie. And I say, literally, all you have to do is say left, right, or stop. Let's practice our left. Let's practice our right. Stop. If I'm going to hit a picnic table, just say stop. So with all the weight of the situation on my daughter's shoulders, I'm ready to back up, and my 10-year-old just loses it. She just starts crying. And I get out, and I'm like, what's up? And she's like, I don't want to screw this up. I don't want the camper to hit something. I don't, I can't do this. And I get down on my knees, and I say to her, honey, we have all the time in the world. We, we can do this 50 times. All we have to do is dinner. And she finally is up for it. We eventually, after many tries, get the camper situated. We, you know, the next day head east, take two weeks slowly, making our way across the U.S., we get back to our neighborhood, and my driveway has, like most driveways, has a 90-degree turn uh, into the driveway. And mind you, the first time I backed up the camper into the driveway, it took two hours, and I had invited the neighborhood to watch because I knew it would be hilarious. So I pull in with the camper, and my older neighbor across the street comes out. He's like, you need some help to back it up. And I said, no, I think Lucia and Lakin got it. And they've got the walkie-talkies. And they're standing there, and we're backing up. They're a little left. You're about to hit the mailbox. Dad, you're going to jackknife again. Like, just they know the terms. They, they got it, and we nail it the first time. So we get home. We end up getting divorced. I end up being an unexpected single dad. But 
when you look at fitting in in the world, so often we want to be like everybody else. We want to have everything be peaceful at work. We want to match all of our friends on Instagram with their trips. But the unexpected magic and superpower is not fitting in. I mean, that could be at, you know, a Friday Night Lights high school where you're the janitor Joe with a chain wallet. It could be the leopard print hair at the runaway shelter. It could just be that you and your boss don't get along, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you don't fit there, or maybe you're good for that there by not fitting. See, when we don't fit, that's where the creativity comes. That's where the freedom comes. And that's where we make a genuine difference in the world. Thank you.